HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more and find the store nearest to you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Aaron Bresnitz. I'm the other half your host, Greg Bresnitz. We're super excited to be in America's Top Hat, Montreal, this week with our good buddies at Noir Gray, uh, the legendary Italian restaurant in one of our favorite cities of all time. Is America's Top Hat a real thing? Yeah, America's Top Hat, Montreal, Canada. If Stay I on Google... America's top hat. Would I find Montreal? I mean, try it. But trust me. Second part of our show, we dip into our archives and go back to one of our favorite performances with Harmar Superstar. Legend. Definite legend. Catch him on tour right now, performing some very cool standards anywhere in America. Not on the top hat, though. Not in the top hat. More like the beard section. The beard section. We'll sit back, relax, and enjoy Snacky Tunes here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We talk about food, we talk about music, with musical dudes, finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Girl, I know it's hard to fly when you're working at your nine to five. So just think of me till you get off tonight. You'll be my lover, sweet baby mother. There ain't no other who can break me off like you do under the cover. Baby mother, there ain't no other. Singing black pantsuit, sexy pump. Take me out to a power lunch. Tis, tis, naughty with the bits. A briefcase full of sexy tricks. Black pantsuit, sexy pump. Take me out to a power lunch. Appetize looking at your thighs. And 
I am one half your host, Darren Bresnitz, coming to you from blustery Montreal with Lisa, Emma, and Ryan of Nora Gray, and soon to be Elena. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Um, Let's start with the easy stuff. Where are you all from? You all Montreal born and bred? Yeah, we're all from Montreal, all three of us. Uh, Who's your favorite hockey team? Um, it's that's a that's a tough question well, right now. Yeah, usually it's the Canadians. Usually it's yeah. the Canadians. this year. Yeah, we're not. We're not, not so much. Nah, we're like <laughs> Montreal's a you know it's you're from Philly. Yes. So you you like you know you understand what it's like to be a, a, a diehard fan, but also hate your team 100%. with with passion and that's be like a, absolutely a fair weather <laughs> fan. But it's I, f- I really it, only watch if they're winning. It's a fair weather fan uh, unless someone else is talking shit on. <laughs> yeah, of course. Because then I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I sweated. Yeah. Um, so, growing up in Montreal, uh, what was it like? Um, you know, Montreal's gone through so many culinary changes in the last decade, but 20, 30 years ago, talk to me about what the scene was like here. What was it like growing up? What was food like in your houses? Um, I feel like, well, I'll start. Um, you know, I grew up in the suburbs, uh, like my like Irish Catholic, uh, Irish Protestant family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, food for me was like you know like roast beef and mashed potatoes kind of vibe uh didn't really wasn't super adventurous like i didn't grow up in an adventurous food household right you know like tuna casserole like those kind of like old like like very like 70s inspired kind of cooking um although like my i think that my mom's a pretty good cook it's just like was not an adventurous at all um and going out to eat was like i don't know you know a lot of chain restaurants when I was a kid. Yeah. Emma, Lisa? (laughs) Well, my father is super into cooking and food, and, you know, my mom was the one who would cook kind of weeknight, and she's good at it. Like, she makes tasty food. She absolutely hates it uh, because, you know, it was the food that had to be rushed on the table right after school and all that kind of stuff. So she doesn't, and she doesn't have the patience for it. (laughs) 
but my father has all the patience in the world for cooking and absolutely loves it. Uh, and so I would spend time with him on Sunday afternoons in the kitchen. He'd be listening to uh, the CBC uh, with like the opera blaring. Mm. And we would, you know, make lasagna or pizza or he was also super into making curries and stuff. So, which I actually never ate at that time. I was... You're like, thanks, Dad. <laughs> I, well, I, I was a really picky eater. I, I only liked really boring food as a kid. Um, so it really amazed my parents when I decided that I wanted to become a chef. I'm sorry, what are you going to become? <laughs> you know that you can't just eat pasta. To, to be fair, Emma's still a picky eater. <laughs> yeah, I'm still a um, and, and for me, I grew up, uh, again, my mother cooked every meal. Very healthy. I grew up on the kitchen counter watching my mom cook every day. And it was a great experience. I was open. I, we went out for dinner a lot. Yeah. Living downtown Montreal. I was exposed to a lot of different types of food. My cousins own Chalet Barbecue, so I ate a lot of chicken, which is like an institution in Montreal. It's the best chicken. It's the best chicken. So I... um, Rotisserie chicken. Oh, yeah. The best rotisserie chicken, which is like a very like Quebec kind of thing. I love it. Uh, And I... It's fantastic. Yeah. We ate a lot of that when we come yeah, up. Of to course. See yeah, of course. Of course. It's, it's yeah. like a staple of the diet here. It's like people talk about poutine and things like that all the time, but like rotisserie chicken is probably more, like like more people would eat that on a regular basis for family dinners than probably go out for poutine with the family. You know yeah. I mean? It's more like, like that's where, like I favorite. said chain restaurants, but what I was thinking was actually an offshoot of Chalet Barbecue, <laughs> which is called Swiss Chalet. Which is the same. They they started Swiss Chalet the same as family. well, yeah. and Harvey's. So yeah. Oh yeah, they, Harvey's yeah. legendary. Yeah, so legendary. that was all. That yeah. all stemmed from from Chalet Barbecue, actually. So um, for those who might be unfamiliar with the Montreal dining scene, you know what? Not now. Not as like the culinary destination has become, but like what was it? Let's say ten, fifteen years ago, um, or even as recent as five or ten years ago. Oof. Well, I mean, like for us, like for me, growing up as a kid. Uh, my favorite thing was to go out to dinner. You know, mm-hmm. we would always go out for my mom's birthday or my dad's birthday, and we always went to uh, the same kind of Italian restaurant. There was one in particular on uh, St. Mark called Bocadoro, and it's that old-school Italian, like, white tablecloth, uh, the the guys in the suits with the bow ties, and it's only men serving, sure. and um, they would do, like, veal marsala and that kind of stuff. Uh, and eventually, like, I mean, the food scenes, I think, started changing here about 15 years ago. Yeah. Like, um, when I, well, I, I worked at Globe in 2000, or mm-hmm. 2003 is when I started, so exactly 15 years and ago. And for those who don't know what Globe is. <laughs> so, Globe was an institution in Montreal for many, many years. It's where uh, Fred uh, Morin and David McMillan uh, of Joe Beef fame kind of got their start mm-hmm. uh, in the Montreal restaurant scene and that's where I met them uh, and they kind of made my career uh, they definitely gave me a huge push so um, I, I think it's important to mention like Globe <clears throat> Globe is uh, was the place that for celebrities uh, it was the hot spot. It was the it was during the supper club era mm. when the it was and it, and for a long time when David and Fred were at the helm of that restaurant, 
it was considered the like the best restaurant in the city mm-hmm. yeah. uh, but also you know it had like doormen and you know like it had like tables of gangsters and like you know formula one weekend <laughs> yeah like, all, the, they had, all of like, the you know yeah at 11 o'clock they would have bottle service and they sure. would do a late yeah. night menu and all this kind of crazy. so super casual right yeah yeah, yeah. 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 everybody's ridiculously good looking um yeah. And so, uh, when they came on the scene and when things started to change, how did you feel? Like, did it start to excite you? I mean, where were, I know you were cooking with them, but where I were I was you? living in New York at this point. You were living in New York. I lived in New York for six years. Oh, so New York was sort of already doing its thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think that, you know, um, if we go back a little bit, like Montreal, obviously, uh, as a, as a city that was colonized by the French, uh, there's a there's a great history of dining in this city, you know. Uh, someone that we mentioned, uh, our like my mentor Dave McMillan talks about it all the time about how you know there's this amazing culinary history and we've been eating well and drinking well in Quebec for 400 years or in Montreal for 400 years, um, and and it's true. Uh, it's it's 100 percent true. There is there is a food culture that is that has been here for longer than probably anywhere else on this continent. Um, and I mean, a di- not a food culture, but a dining culture. Sure. Um, uh, and so that's always existed. Um, somewhere along the way, I think that, you know, uh, the, the old guard shifted. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, like that supper club movement in the early 2000s was certainly like part of that shift of cultures of like, you know, the old stale kind of white tablecloth Italian places that Emma was referring to. Um, that kind of led to like fun, you know, bottle service, like models in tight dresses serving that kind of thing. And then, you know, rest a restaurant like uh, or or very fine dining, uh, you know, Tokay, uh, those yeah. kind of things. And then all of a sudden, you know, in, in 2001, uh, I think, um, you know, Pied de Cochon opens. Sure. And they're like doing something totally different. It's like, he, you know, lumberjack been, food. Yeah. He had also been a chef at Globe. So when he left Globe, Dave took over. Right. Uh, and he opened PDC. But he, you mean Martin Picard. Martin Picard, sorry. Uh, so he, when he he left Globe and he started PDC, that's where this the change started because he was like, I'm done with this like club style atmosphere with yeah. restaurants. I want this. This is like a chef's restaurant where chefs will come yeah. to eat. So how did you all three meet? And where did you meet? Uh, we all met at Liverpool House. Okay. So Liverpool House uh, is Joe Beef's sister restaurant. Sure. Uh, opened in September of 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was I, their second restaurant. Yeah. I had been working at Joe Beef. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hired by David there. And the idea was that I would work at Joe Beef uh, and learn how they worked and then move over to Liverpool House because they'd already started construction on that. And then... Um, Emma came on board because she'd been working, she'd already worked with Fred for years and had been away in London uh, working uh, at a Michelin star restaurant there. And she came back to Montreal just about a week before Liverpool House was set to open. And, uh, you know, Fred kind of was like, yeah, no, you got to, you got to I actually board. begged Fred for a job. I was like, I need to leave London and I only want to work for you if I come back to Montreal. Uh, can you please finally find me something to do? And uh, he had already staffed the kitchen to what he thought was like fully staffed. Um, and I was there to l- like lend a hand, be a tournant. Um but after three months, he moved the chef of Liverpool House over to Joe Beef, and I became the chef of Liverpool House. And so what was it like during that time? I mean, this was the first time oh, you, fun. you two were working together. <laughs> crazy. It was a crazy. I mean, I would say even living in New York, the reputation yeah. of 
Joe Beef and Liverpool Halves made their way down. I think that what, yeah. what, uh, what people maybe, you know, like what gets lost maybe um, in like the lore of Joe Beef is that like they were like there's a real ethos uh, behind those restaurants. Um, and uh, like it, it started out really small uh, and, and, you know, like with a focus on quality and, in, you know, in quality of ingredients and quality of service and like, you know, um, and with with from a really good place with a lot of love um and the restaurants are actually still run that way today um and that's amazing considering how big they are and how much of that impact you when you started to think about your own spot uh, like i can't sure. there's n- there was no bigger influence <laughs> yeah. in my career than 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 the than the f- oh, 5 years i spent working for those guys um so when you start thinking about your place in the Montreal culinary scene you're at Liverpool House you're working for this greats when do you, the three of you, start thinking maybe we're going to branch off on our own? Well, for me, I I, I always knew I wanted to open a restaurant. Uh, and were you upfront about that with them? Like, did they know at some point you were going to... Dave, Dave, like, approached me after maybe... He didn't talk to me for, like, the first six months I worked there. But then, <laughs> like, after month eight yeah. or nine, he, like, sat me down one day and he was like... Listen, I know you're gunning for your own place. Uh, I don't know when you're going to do it, but, like, I will support you 100%. Um, which and is beautiful. I, yeah, which was amazing. He was like, whatever I can do, like, money or not or whatever you want. And I was like, awesome. Uh, I knew at that point I wasn't ready, but I did know at that point already, after only working with Ryan for a little while, uh, that I wanted him to be my front of house partner because I knew that that's what I was missing kind of thing. Um, I knew I needed somebody who was like sommelier and sure. barman and that kind of like meter and greeter, rememberer of names. Oh yeah. That's a, I'm bad at that. that is key. And Lisa, how did you get involved? <laughs> so I started, I met Ryan at Liverpool house. I was a customer sure. and, uh, I started, we started dating and so Dave one day took me aside and was like, hey, you want a job? And so I was like, sure, no problem. And at that point, it was a real skeleton crew at Liverpool House. There yeah. was Emma with two other people in the kitchen. Yeah. Ryan behind the bar, one busboy, and three, or three two, servers. two servers, which if you one went now, staff. you would it's crazy. So yeah. I was the first person to, do, uh, to see people and host. And Dave said to me, I know you're going to open your own restaurant with Ryan, so why don't you start practicing? So, this is before we'd ever really actually even talked about yeah, it. You know, yeah, Dave kind of yeah. has this ability to see into the future. And uh, Ryan I mean, and I talked about it for sure as a couple. We were like, okay, we want to open our, our restaurant. Yeah. And um, it was just kind of, it just moved forward from there. Like, we just, all three of us kind of came together. It was like a no-brainer. Yeah. We just were like, this makes sense. Yeah. And, and uh, like, everybody fulfills a role. Like a necessary role, we each have our own job. We're not really stepping on each other, t- each other's toes very much. Uh, Especially at the beginning, like we opened this, we modeled this place, and like the we modeled our business essentially after the way that Joe Beef was modeled, sure. which was like, okay, well, we're three owners. Um, you know, each of us will take care of our own end of the business, and we'll also all work in the restaurant. So you know, uh, the first like three years here, I I was behind the bar every night uh, and took care of the wine program. Uh, Emma was in the kitchen every night. We're still here. Uh, we're and, still here and, four nights a week. Yeah. No, yeah. but I mean, you know, but like, we're but like, like a lot. We, we stepped step back. back a lot. No, but physically, what I mean is we were physically like 
working working positions, yeah, yeah. you know, for for the first three years. Um, I didn't. There wasn't a bartender. There wasn't a, a hostess. There wasn't a maitre d. You know, what I mean, there wasn't. A, was there was a only there was me and three other people, and now I have four people. So like, I can step back. I don't actually have to be there. There's an extra person to expedite if they need it, or lend yeah. an extra hand for plating that kind of thing, which is uh, what I was doing before. Awesome. Well, we're gonna take a quick musical break, and then we're gonna talk about some of those early days and Montreal's response <laughs> to modern Italian take. Uh, on Italian food that was not I imagine there weren't old men in suits and bow ties here right? <laughs> not at all <laughs> not at all uh, we have a uh, song from the archives here on Snacky Tunes on heritageradionetwork.org come down I won't come back down I'm too burnt Oh, my God. 
Hello and welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We are here with Lisa, Emma, and Ryan at Nora Gray as the sun sets at a very late 4 p.m. <laughs> um, so, in the early days of Nora Gray, you know, you've been open now for about six years? Uh, six seven years. Six, seven years. Yeah, almost seven years. Um, so, this is back in like 2010. What was the initial response given that? When you thought of Italian food in Montreal, it was very much of like the white tablecloth or red sauce joints. Um, how did people react right away? And also, let's not forget where you're located and describe to people where that is. Well, we it's it. I guess it's downtown. It's just <laughs> south of the of the Bell Center, so we really are downtown. Right. But we're on a block where there's literally abandoned building next to us, yeah. and on the other end, there's a tiny little art gallery. And when we were first opening, there wasn't, or there was a grocery store that was had just opened. Um, it looked like a nice grocery yeah, store. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Yeah. But other than that, you would drive by here and you'd be like, meh, this block is I mean, when the Uber was pulling up this morning, I was like, okay, I'm just going to trust it. <laughs> yeah. I see apartments. Yeah, a lot of times that people would come in, they're like, yeah, our, our Uber angry. driver our Uber driver was like, no, there's no restaurant there. <laughs> And we're like, no, no, like, we're, and or people come and they're like, they're like, I've driven by here a million times. There's no sign. You know, sign. like, yeah, you have no sign. And, you know, they're walking to a full restaurant and I'm like, yeah, well, you know. Like, but it's cozy. It's like it. tucked like, away. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, I think the idea is like when we found this location, um, it, the thing was like, it's. It's like five minutes from everywhere, but in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You know, like. Which is great. Like, yeah. which is amazing. Sort of great. Because there's also not. Um, it's not like restaurant row. No, like it's a special no. and, destination in many and, ways. And you know, you said that that's the word destination. We, you know, again, like coming from the restaurants where we where we were, like it's, you know, they went to a neighborhood that was, you know, largely underserved uh, by restaurants, and it was completely a destination. And we just figured, you know, this was an up and coming neighborhood, and we would just let the neighborhood up and come all around us, mm-hmm. sure. which it has. Which you know is, what yeah, I mean? And like this is like the largest. Single development of any neighborhood in Canada is happening. It has been happening in this neighborhood for the last like six years. And so, when you opened, what was the response? Were people coming to seek you out? Did people know that because of your pedigree, you were going to do something special, or was it word of mouth? Well, yeah. I mean, because we'd worked at Liverpool House, and and Dave and Fred are so well known, and their restaurants are so well known in the city, we had garnered a following. And you know, like the clients that were at Liverpool House had become kind of our clients as much as Fred and Dave's because, you know, we were taking care of their baby, kind of. So, uh, you know, there was great anticipation. You know, there was four months between the time we left Liverpool and the time we opened Nora Gray, and that was, like, a really good time for for the momentum to build. I think it's also important to mention that at that time, it's like we're talking about, you know, 2000, like, early 2011, uh, it was uh, the the boom of like people opening restaurants hadn't really happened yet. Sure, it was like right at the tipping point of that. Like, um, and you the know, tipping point of so- social media. As yeah, well. like, yeah, like like sure. we had, Instagram I had, wasn't even. I had Twitter. Instagram wasn't. I don't think a thing. I mean, like we didn't have an Instagram when we opened here. Like I had just gotten a Twitter account. You know what I mean? Because because yeah. yeah. like Dave made me get one when I was working at. at uh, at Liverpool House just to kind of satisfy the fact, like, so that I could be in on, like, his, like, jokes that he was making on Twitter <laughs> and, like, retweet to, like, the... I need like, someone quote. to write. Yeah, he was like, hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, what's what's interesting is, like, if 
a couple years later, I mean, everyone was opening like their own restaurant sure. and, uh, it, like the, the small kind of like, you know, um, chef, chef owned, owned run restaurant yeah. scene kind of exploded here. Um, and I think that we, you know, we're also, th- we were three young Montrealers. We had a lot of people that knew us and wanted sure. to come and see us, not only our families, but our friends. The network was quite large, not only from the restaurant business, but just being Montrealers because <laughs> mm-hmm. the city is a village. Yeah. I mean, yeah. never, <laughs> never more friends than when you're young. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. So, um, I know that you're, Emma, that your father cooked Italian food, but, um, mm-hmm. Was that just always the idea that you're going to do an Italian restaurant? Like, how did you land on that? No, well, that's the thing that's funny is that uh, my entire career, save one job, up until opening Nora Gray had been in French food. Mm. Um, but we had decided to go Italian because there wasn't that kind of hip, young vibe in an Italian restaurant in this city. It, that, that thing did not exist. Like at, at that all. time, not even right. close. Italian restaurants run by Italians, and it looked Italian. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, like, but they were serving like North American style Italian food. They weren't yeah. even serving like the stuff that their grandmothers would make. Right. They were serving like North American style Italian food, which is like not very regional. dissimilar from <laughs> from what you get in Italy. Yeah. And I, so, would you say that you set out to? make a modern Italian restaurant. Yeah. That, that reflects what you can eat when you're in Italy, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and uh, like I said, that didn't exist in Montreal at the time. Uh, it certainly exists now. Um, but I mean, we were coming from a place, you know, where we learn like, you know, I, it's kind of like, but like the farm to table cooking, mm-hmm. you know, and seasonal cooking more importantly, you know, so we're working with local seasonal ingredients and we, and we thought like, why can't we apply that to Italian food? Like uh, the way that it exists in Italy. Mm-hmm. And that really wasn't being done. You know, like you had this yeah. like non-regional specific Italian American, uh, kind of like old, old world, uh, Italian. That was the idea of Italian restaurants here. A hundred percent. I don't yeah. think there was one that existed without white tablecloths. Because the thing is about the, a lot of the Italians that live here, and I, I would say anywhere, is that they don't go out to eat Italian food because they get it at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and whatever they get at home is way better than what they're going to get in a restaurant. Uh, and so the compliments or the, the comments that I got a lot at the beginning of Nora Gray was exactly that, was like, wow, this is like my grandmother's. Like, my yeah. grandmother's meatball is exactly like this. Like, I'm, I've got tears in my eyes. Or people would be like, I don't understand, this isn't Italian. And I'd be like, no, no, no it, it's very it's much Italian. Italian. <laughs> it's very much Italian. We got a lot of that. Right. Like, it's very much Italian. And they'd be like, no, 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 no. You, no, don't, no. you don't know what you're talking about. Like, yeah. you know, like, and we'd be like, no, no, this is like, this is, this <laughs> dish is, is a dish from Calabria. Like, this is, this, this is, is not, yeah. there's nothing, you know what I mean? Like, we haven't tweaked or done anything. Yeah. I mean, we do tweak and do a lot of things because we're not like we're also not running the kind of Italian restaurant we're like oh we're gonna run an Italian restaurant just again so we'll import all the ingredients no we we use local seasonal ingredients so you're filtering it it through sort of like this Montreal aesthetic yeah absolutely so you know like during during you know uh, the springtime you know we serve Quebec asparagus and we serve Quebec snow crab by the way Quebec asparagus I had (laughs) no idea it existed and then it was at the Vin Papillon and they're like oh it's Quebecois asparagus I was like Okay, blew my mind. Yeah, everywhere too. Blue, yes. it's crazy. It's now, in addition to the food, you have a solid wine program. 
Solid is probably underselling it. You have an incredible wine program. <laughs> Thank you. Can you talk about the importance of wine here? Because you could just do a very simple, you know, Italian wine, bring it in, but you go beyond that. I think that, you know, going back to what I said earlier about uh, it being, um, there being a, a long history of dining in the city. I mean, predominantly, obviously it was French, but like along with, with you know, the French colonization and French cuisine, you had like French wine. Mm-hmm. And so you know, young people go out and drink wine here and they always have, like, we didn't have a cocktail scene until seven years ago. Sure. Uh, you know, and actually the funny thing is, is, uh, we set out to be one of the first restaurants. We wanted to be like a New York restaurant where you come in and you get a really good Manhattan or you get, yeah. a, you know, a really good Sazerac or like a classic cocktail done really well. And you have that before your meal because you could not actually get that. That did not exist. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, seven years ago, there was one other restaurant, um, a restaurant called Sardine that no longer is around that was doing great cocktails and good food. Um, but now, you but, can, you but now it. everyone does yeah. it, you know. Um, but the cocktail scene didn't exist, so it was, it was, it was about wine. You know, uh, I I studied wine uh, at the hotel school, and I developed a really, really, really uh, great passion for it. Um, that went beyond just what was in the bottle, but who was behind sure. the, you know. Um, and I think that that's kind of how we've always run it, uh, similarly, similarly to like how we, how we work with local purveyors for food. It was like, well, let's work with like really great, you know, winemakers, people that are inspiring that inspire us that are inspired and make great wine that reflects where they're from and who they are. Uh, and what's the Canadian wine scene like? Gotten Um, better? Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> I'll say this. I'll say this. How about, it's, 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 how not, about this? it's not just ice wine anymore. No, no, no. It's certainly no, it's not. And here, here's the thing that I want to talk about is I, I'm not super interested in the Canadian wine scene, but the Quebec wine scene is really exciting. Yeah. Um, there are several wineries here that are working naturally. I mean, all of our winemakers work. Uh, I mean, I'm not dogmatic about being natural or you know anything but we work with people that that work really well and use like very little intervention uh chemical intervention um or technology to make wine and there are a few really phenomenal natural winemakers in quebec that are making world-class wine right now and one of them is about to be imported to new york uh by zevro vine Oh, shout out to Zev. Yeah. Shout out to Zev. Uh, Greg will have to save me a bottle for the next <laughs> time. Um, so I would be remiss uh, if we were going to talk about the food and wine to also talk about the music that's played here because sure. you guys have such a great playlist. Can you talk about setting the vibe and, and sort of what you play here um, in this restaurant? Well, I think the first thing that's really striking when you walk into Norgray is that the room sets a tone already. You know, yeah. like uh, I mean, we're sitting here with no music. And it's super vibey right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's amazing. Like, Lisa designed the restaurant. Uh, she, Beautiful. She did an incredible job. Um, and it's kind of a funny story. I had been away <laughs> for, like, a three weeks in New York doing stages and stuff. And I came back and kind of saw they had just hung the walls. And the walls, if you haven't been to Norgray, it's like a wood paneled box. Mm-hmm. And it kind of looks like your grandma's basement from the 70s. Uh, and I walked in and I <laughs> nearly burst into tears. I was alone and I was like, oh my God, what the hell is this? <laughs> and so I called Ryan in a panic uh, and he and Lisa were together, of course. And I was like, oh my God, what is going on? I can't believe this is happening. 
this place looks terrible. <laughs> um, and then he was like, I think you should just talk to Lisa because, you know, she's she's got she's the one with the plan. She's got a vision. <laughs> she has a vision. Uh, and she described it to me and I was like, OK, well, if you think so. Um, and of course, it's amazing and I love it. Oh, my God. It's um, because I- it's got that like loungy vibe. But it's not heavy. No. When I left Liverpool, I mean, I love Liverpool and I love Joe Beef and I think they do their, they do it so well. So I wanted to do something in the complete opposite direction. Yes. I didn't want the tchotchkes. I, I really like to keep it clean mm. as possible. Like yeah. Not a lot of stuff on the walls. Not a lot of stuff on the bar. And um, I worked with an amazing architect as well, Philip Hazen, who was awesome to mm. work with. And we had a really interesting space. When we first walked in, the bathrooms were in the dining room, like right where the bar is right now. Yeah. And then the men's bathrooms were in the kitchen. Yeah, boy. Where the dish pit is. Where the dish pit is so now. Weird. So we, had, we literally made a whole new restaurant. We took everything down and started fresh. Now, talking about starting fresh, before we're out of time, I want to talk about the new spot. Uh, Alina. Sure. Elena, yeah. Elena, sorry. <laughs> no problem. That's my American accent. <laughs> Elena. Um, second restaurant, number two. Uh, what made you want to, one, open up another spot, and two, open up a pizza spot? And then three, what's the state of pizza in Montreal? We'll go one, two, three. Okay. Uh, well, we wanted to open a second restaurant, like, pretty much six months after opening Nora Gray, <laughs> even <Yeah>. though <laughs> we had no idea what was still in store for us in the <laughs> evolution of Nora Gray. Was this in like some like we've been working for 16 hours and we're sort of like sleep deprived we're like let's open up another one. Well we were just like addicted to the high. Yeah yeah yeah. Like- it's, it's it's addictive. You know. Yeah. Uh, you, it's a real rush and getting to be creative in a different way from you know building a wine list or designing a, a sure. menu or cooking or you know like serving um, or designing cocktails being creative in like making design decisions and like, you know, and actually physically getting to work uh, and get dirty, yeah. you know, and like do something that's different. That's, that stuff is cool. So instead of six months, it's about six years. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, which, and, and, you know, we, we, I, I think that this is, this is finally the, the time that we are actually ready to, to yeah. take it on. Yeah. Um, we were it was not a, ready before no, at all. No, if we'd done it before, it would have been a disaster. And so it's a pizza place, uh, I assume, with fire-burning oven? Yeah, so we wanted, like, I, I like to play with fire. <laughs> <laughs> we have a charcoal grill uh, at Nora Gray, and uh, I've, I've always, like, since, I think I started doing canoe trips when I was, like, 13 or 14, and that's when I first started cooking over an open fire. Uh, and that was super addictive and I mean when I was a teenager I definitely had no intention of becoming a chef uh, but that's where it started for me um, and so now like the idea of opening a pizza place we wanted to open a pizza place because you're number three point the state of pizza in Montreal is like okay like the, the pizza is pretty delicious yeah, what some is places some but place- like it's not what it's not what I want to eat. It never. I mean, of all the things I think about, <laughs> Montreal pizzas never on that list. No. Yeah. No. I mean, not na- not now. Maybe like, think about think about what um, you know, like New York. It's a pizza city, sure. and like you arguably could have some of the best pizza in the world is in New York. And you know, we've made we've made pilgrimages sure. to New York to eat pizza. Just like before we opened this place, we could go to New York and go to like a place like Il Buco. Uh, you know, or Roberta's for like, you know, uh, 
for Italian food that was, you know, local, seasonal. You got uh, reverse you know, for pizza too. Yeah, yeah. And, we, and we did. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. we have many times. Yeah. And Emma uh, I did a stash, stash there, there yeah, uh, before we opened know. our. And I think that um, <clears throat> I think that pizza, you know, here has always just been like pizza. Yeah. And people didn't apply. Uh, I mean, like, there's, you know, uh, in 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 our humble opinion, it's like we just wanted to take it, uh, apply the same care that we put into our to our food here into pizza um and then you know get to do it uh, in a space that is like cool and hip and fun and you know with good music and you know natural wine and yeah and and the 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 idea behind elena as well is the same kind of thing where it's like we don't want to import all of the ingredients from italy we didn't import our oven from italy uh we had a Quebecois guy from up north came down and built this beautiful oven for us Amazing. by hand. He cut all the stones himself. Um, and we are going to try and use Quebec flour and Quebec made mozzarella. And, and we're doing naturally leaven pizza, which, um, you know, is not really a thing here. That's it's true, gonna, too. Uh, <laughs> you know, and so... So uh, you guys are going to do the same thing that you did for sort of modern Thai food. I don't know. Just, or try Ho- to. Hopefully. 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 Yeah. You know, like, hopefully that's that's what the end result is. Like, yeah. it's like, um, you know, we just see it as an opportunity to, to do something that, although there are a lot of restaurants that serve pizza here, we feel that we're going to open a restaurant that isn't just a pizzeria either. Um, we're hoping that we can, you know... Uh, satisfy some kind of you know um, niche that isn't quite there yet just like maybe like uh, one of your hometown boys uh, Joe Badia oh, is yeah. done for mm-hmm. pizza in Philly you know what I mean like he oh yeah that like, place like is... he like people talk about some people might say the best pizza in America I've, I will I have I, I, I have read that I have read that well listen congratulations I can't wait to come back and eat the new spot and I can't wait to dine here while I'm in town uh, if people want to find you online, where can they go? Because Instagram is this now, right? Yeah, Instagram definitely is. So, uh, Norgray.com for our website, uh, at Norgray Resto for Instagram, and um, at uh, Elena Montreal uh, Instagram for uh, the new spot. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we've run the song from the archives and the live performance on Snacky Tunes here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market. From papayas and samosas to reishi mushrooms, if it's something that sounds delicious, chances are you'll find the freshest, best version of it at Whole Foods Market. They have more than 400 stores across the country, so if you consider pizza its own food group or just can't imagine when avocado toast wasn't a thing, Whole Foods Market has you covered. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com to find a store near you. Whole Foods Market. Whatever makes you whole. Sean, a.k.a. Harmar Superstar, welcome to Snacky Tunes. Thanks, man. Uh, really happy that you're here. Really been uh, great seeing your face around town. Yeah, I'm a real local now. Yeah, you're like a real local. <laughs> yeah, like, like oh, hey, man, what's up? I was a fake local for years not living here, but everyone thought I lived here, so it was kind of a secret of mine that I was secretly in L.A. just laying on my couch watching TV <laughs> um, while everybody was talking about me. Li- I'm just kidding. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I mean, let's, I mean, because we, we so, I so really get to this. What, uh, what made the move uh, a reality? What um, made you become a permalocal? Well, to be completely, frankly honest, I walked away from my house that I owned. And I just stopped paying, and I left. And I was like, it's time to change. I'm going to New York. The American dream. Yeah. I'm living the just, American dream. Just leave it all behind. Yeah. Did you even lock the door to when the you left? To new country. Uh, I did, because I was going to squat there for a while, because I thought that would be a, a hilarious option, a chapter in my life that would be... This is about. the other side of when you live on your passion, you just got to walk away <laughs> from some things sometime. Uh, but I was kind of like feeling creatively stagnant in L.A. after a while. Just uh, just the, the good weather constantly kind of actually grates on you after a while. For me, I like seasons, you know what I mean? So. I, would, I would say that the... Um most productive time is like when it's winter. You yeah, know, when no. you're hunkered down. I mean, I'll if write you could, like three albums in the winter and like three scripts and then like live off of that for the. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just get it done and like cave out and have a good time. I mean, I have friends that have left LA and moved here, and then they'll go out to LA in like December for work, and they'll be like, "I got nothing done. Like it was just nice enough that I just went out." Yeah, all totally. the time. No, that's kind of how I felt. You know, and you're kind of just waiting for people to get off work at that point. When you're not working, it's it's kind of maddening. You know? Um, so you're out here. Yes. Which neighborhood did you just move to? I live in Williamsburg. Oh, welcome. Graham Stop. Oh, Graham Stop. Yeah. Oh, we're all kind of you know. right, in the, right in the hood. Um, and you just finished a record, right? Yeah, well, I'm just putting the finishing touches on it now. I just signed with uh, Cult Records, which is Julian Casablancas' new label. And uh, he's going to finish the record with me. We're just doing a little bit more production on it. But what's the uh, process going to be finishing it? How's, um, he, how's he stepping in? Um, well, he's got, you know, he's he's got amazing vocal sensibilities mm-hmm. so for the most part we're going to go in and redo uh the main vocals just with some like little melody ideas little tweaks here mm-hmm. and there and then edit the songs a little bit and maybe do another one or two but yeah and how did you record the record this time around i went to austin texas and i recorded with uh jim eno from spoon the drummer um at his place it's a great studio there I mean, you've been at this for a very long time. Yeah. And it's been amazing. I mean, I was saying, like, Power Lunch was, like, when I was, like, 10 years ago. Yeah, and that's, uh, like, my third band that I toured. You know what I mean? Yeah, Armar's, sh- like, my third. Shout out the first two. Well, there's a band called Calvin Crime that was on AMREP when I was, like, 16 or 17. Okay. And we toured a lot. And then I was, uh, I have a band called Sean Nana that I kind of periodically still do. I feel like that's still, like, that's always, like, right. Right on the edge. Yeah. Like, like it comes back in, cuts yeah. across Harmar, and like kind of goes out of focus, yeah. and then weaves back in. It's be like, you know, whatever I feel like. But um, Harmar is by and far the you know most prominent. He's my breadwinner. <laughs> he brings home the bacon. Harmar, come on. Get out there. Go earn, go earn a little for daddy. <laughs> go take your pants off at a nightclub. Yeah, exactly. People people love it. Um, but, well, let's let's get a song. Okay. Let's, let's give a little reference. All right. Uh, you want to hear a new one? Yeah, yeah. Let's hear a new one. All right. This one's called Prisoner of Love. 
Live on Snacky Tunes. It should be playing. Yeah, okay. That was the beginning. Without us talking. Oh, okay. Put me to the test, girl. I'm under arrest No, we won't sleep Till the streets are clean And the levee broke now We got fire before smoke somehow The results are in Negatives are positive Cause I'm a prisoner of love When it rains it pours Oh, when I toughen up now You'll take me back in your arms Behind bars No more living large, girl We're flirting with danger Dancing with strangers Now it's just you and me, girl Inmate number 715-203 Yeah, you will be my captor Sunshine, my big time, my laughter Cause I'm a prisoner of love When it rains, it pours Oh, when I jumpin' up now You'll take me back in your arms Prisoner, yeah, I'm a prisoner of love it's pouring so hard. Yeah, we're not coming out now. No, talk ain't always cheap now. I made a promise that I'm gonna keep somehow. Show you what I'm made of. A little prisoner, no prisoner, yeah, prisoner. Prisoner of love whoa, whoa. When it rains it pours Yeah, when I toughen up now Won't you take me back in your arms Prisoner of love Just a little prisoner of love oh. Yeah, when I toughen up now
<laughs> Where'd they come from? Oh, I see them. The Roberta staff. Roberta staff. What's up, guys? Is that guys. MC Todd out there? Yeah. Yeah, it's all happening. MC Todd. Everyone's gathering. Check, check, check the internet for that new release on MC Todd. <laughs> Apology, apology about you didn't think I sounded like that. Yeah, what did you think? <laughs> the word that came to mind is juxtaposition. I'm like, did not expect to hear yeah. that. Your eyes kind of lit up. I, I, I said, we can, we can have a two-hour discussion about music as soon as this is over. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Um, so your vocals have been lent to other projects. Uh, I feel like very lucky I got to see you tour with gangs. Oh, yeah, man. Which was like That's so at the uh, Natural History Museum in L.A. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about... Let's talk about that. I okay. love that record. Oh man, it's I mean, the best. it's it's. I mean, I put it on last night, um, and it was just like, fuck, this is one of the best records. It is love making music. It is love making music. Everything's sixty nine BPMs. Yeah, I mean, let's. I mean, just talk to me about that project because I've never got a chance to really sit down and. Um, yeah, it. I mean, it's sort of like uh, the brainchild of Ryan Olson, who produced like the Polisa album and a bunch of other who great are stuff also out of Minneapolis. Yeah, incredible. Jenny, the singer, is actually in Gangs yeah. too. So uh, he kind of put together the soft rock thing with a couple of the guys from Solid Gold in Minneapolis, and I think. And with the idea of getting Justin Vernon from Bon Iver involved, and sort of just became this behemoth, like 25 member band. And it was really only supposed to be a project where they were going to put out the album, play one show with everybody there, and then break up. And it sort of took off so, so much that uh, a tour happened, and then more tours, ha- like, you know what I mean? Like, we did yeah. the whole country. I mean, we never really went out overseas, even though we're supposed to. Um, but that's just because of. Ryan's like philosophies of like wanting to like take a cruise ship there. You know what I mean? Like right. he like he made these ridiculous demands that were great, but didn't happen. Yeah. It's like <laughs> we'll, we'll buy you plane tickets, cruise ship. Yeah. Uh, how about a cruise ship? Tugboat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we want to make this as weird and hard for you as possible. Um, but I mean, what was touring like that? I mean, there really were like twenty five. Yeah. I mean, it was it was well, for the touring uh, band. It kind of was pared down to like ten or twelve people most of the time. But like, there's always like two bass players and like 90 guitar players and saxes going. I mean, it's a very sax heavy band. Yeah. And how do you feel like that fits into like the overall like Harmar story or like Um, projects like that? It's cool. I mean, it was just like it was perfect timing for me because like I was in between records of my own, and it just sort of came up. And I recorded this George Michael cover with them. Then one more try. It's like a bonus track that's out, and we did it even slower than the original. So it's like six minutes long or something. Um, <laughs> for anyone that wants to also hear it, uh, the NPR music app has like a live gangs concert oh, on it. And like that was like kind of like, you know, scroll back, scroll back, yeah. scroll back. <laughs> yeah, really, sweet. really amazing. Well, thanks. Uh, yeah. um, so you moved here and you've started doing a podcast. Yeah. Which, yeah. Is, which is really interesting um, because I think it's like such an easy way for to have an output without having to put out music. Yeah, but I was no, kind of curious. Yeah, like, it comes out every week. It's called Nocturnal Emotions. It's on Earwolf. Um, what is Earwolf? Earwolf is uh, Earwolf.com is kind of like a they're like a podcast sort of label, you know? Like they do um, Comedy Bang Bang and uh, Who Charted and just so many shows. <laughs> is it like all puns? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Uh, but you know, it is a lot of comedy guys. Yeah. Like I think they're they're working on like maybe a Mr. Show one or something. Like there's some some cool stuff in the works. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but uh, I, I don't. You can know. always promise things, and, and you yeah, yeah, it's, it's, who's going to check you? How, I can't. I, I can't even deliver this promise. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just talking out my ass here. Obama's um, doing one. <laughs> yeah, we got yeah, got some Royal Rumble. Hulk Hogan's in there. Yeah. 
Um, but no, yeah, it's it's really fun. Like you know, it's just uh, they're long conversations about embarrassing moments in like my guests' lives, and it's sort of like I run the gamut of guests of sort of anybody interesting, you know. Who've uh, past guests been? Um, I've had Macaulay Culkin, Ellen Page, Gavin McInnes, uh, John Daly is going to be on this week. Um, and I feature like some bands. I did like Minus the Bear and My Jerusalem last week. Interviews with them. Uh, you know, MNDR, uh, just uh, whoever. You know, whoever's to fill, around to fill of. that downtime. Yeah, <laughs> it's like fuck. I should start a podcast. Yeah, or I something. Know. But like, really, it's not that much work. You talk to somebody for like forty-five minutes, tape it, and then make an intro and an outro each week. You know, it's like it's kind of about a few hours of work a week, and it's it's very rewarding. Do you have um, besides <clears throat> embarrassing stories? Like, is there you know something you try to convey from? You have a wide range of guests. You know, yeah. Is there something you tried, like an overarching theme, or is it more just a conversation between two people? It's a conversation. I mean, it normally gets kind of weird, and, and you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's me, so it gets, like, a, a bit stony. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or something yeah. like, we, we like to go on tangents and riff. and um, uh, No, but, like, it's, that's just sort of a jump-off point. But I like to kind of explore the darker sides of people's lives, too, because that's, like, you know what I mean? Like... That's the real stuff, and it's really yeah. interesting. And I don't know the whole the whole vibe of the thing is very nighttime. I mean, that's the thing that we were saying before. It's like, yeah, everyone can be like, yeah, we like put out our demo, and we got the record deal. It's like, yeah. you know, I just showed up to Hollywood, and I got my first gig. It's like, yeah, yeah what yeah. happened? It's like, well, there were two years of drug addiction, and yeah. uh, I slept in a van for three years yeah. and ate cornflakes without milk. Yeah, it's like, oh, 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 that was oh, that what you wanted? Oh, okay, that's the real thing. I mean, it's like we were saying before. It's to know those stories is you know to know that everyone goes through it and like. Kind of like even when you're going through the shit to know that other people are experiencing it, makes it easier. Yeah. Oh, totally. No, you want to right. share a low? A um, low? I'm trying to think. I mean, there there's so many. I mean, I think like every three years, like the money just runs out, and that's like not even really a low. I mean, it's kind of like that's when I get motivated. I need it. I need to run out of my money so that I have like some sort of like like survivalist instinct to like output like a script or like an album, and that's like where the actual songs come from you know what I mean because if I was just happy and content all the time I don't think I'd feel driven to make anything do you want to play a song <laughs> that uh, came from a low uh, yeah this one's real obvious <laughs> this is another new one called why 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 let me uh... alright ready ready yeah. I missed another opportunity to see another day gone. I'm another day older, earth beneath my feet only grows colder. I mean to take a trip to the Golden Gate Bridge, contemplate my life and all the things I miss. Let loose my feet as my feet slip away. Well, die of shock before my legs break. I don't deserve another breath in me, you see I squandered things, the lessons of lovers Somebody have some mercy, help me put myself under I was learning to tie knots down a fisherman's wharf When the boys got the call, they had to go to war They left me hanging how to tie this noose Oh, it's just a little too loose Yeah, I'd cut myself but I'd never bleed Just another failure Got me in long sleep To hide the pain Building up in me Another secret That 
perked up from. But I mean, your music is also like really like I had never heard those two songs. Yeah, and, like they're also like upbeat songs, or upbeat songs. Yeah, it's not like hey, here's a new one. It's super slow. It's six minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please not, don't go to the bar. I'm not pulling too many punches. Yeah. I mean, vibe wise, a little different, but it really does. Yeah, it fits in with the set really you know, well. So. You know what I loved about that song? It, it sounds so upbeat. Yeah, you know, yeah. So dumb. I that's my favorite. Like, like I love like Gilbert O'Sullivan. Like Alone Again Naturally is one of my favorite songs, and it's really poppy. But then you listen to the lyrics, and they're like the most. You're like, oh shit, down. This guy's. Yeah gonna jump off yeah. or something you know what I mean uh, there, there's a great song by the Style Council uh, oh yeah uh, which uh, which one uh, I forget the name of the, the, the title now I can't believe it's not coming to me. I just absolutely love it but it was a very angry song and it was just so happy yeah another great one is uh, Bluebird by oh. Leon Russell yeah oh uh, yeah yeah it's Harry, Harry Nielsen Harry Nielsen does that a lot too like he's he's kind of the master of that stuff those are guys are my those are my dudes <laughs> um, well, I want to get one more song in, but um, why don't you give people the nuts and bolts of where to find you, where to get the podcast? Oh, yeah. Um, you can just go to earwolf.com and look for Nocturnal Emotions with Harmar Superstar, or go to iTunes uh, Music, or go to Podcasts and iTunes, and then look under the music category, and it should be there. Uh, you can just look it up on iTunes, I guess, too. Um, so, yeah, you can subscribe. It's free. Get it every week. Website, Twitter. Awesome. Uh, yeah, or just follow me at Harmar Superstar, you know, and, that and sort of thing. I, I update every week on Twitter where where to find it too, and uh, almost every day on Instagram as well. Oh yeah, I, and, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I can't say get the Gang's record. Get oh a, yeah, get a Harmar record, get it, yeah, and get a Gang's record. Yeah, definitely. Find a loved one. We're working on some sort of like others projects spin-off things right now that are, yeah. that are happening so i would say cool. research the gang's record because like pulika's on there isn't like um what other uh marijuana? guys from marijuana death squads megafon uh bony fair a lot of that band um there's so many people have played in it um you the could, rosebuds i mean there's just like it's just people from all over the country you could really get like a good starting point um, anyway, well, thanks for being on. Oh, yeah, man. Polly, thank you, as always. Yeah, Polly. Great pleasure. Uh, and um, you're going to take us up with one more track? Yeah, I'll do, uh, I'm going to do Tall Boy, uh, the single off my last album. I'm a cry, baby. There's no place to go. So shed your clothes. We'll stop, drop, and roll. I need a tall boy. Crack it open with me. Don't be shaking. Come on, let out the steam, where's my tall boy? Satisfy my needs, feel like drinking. Come on, get inside me. Me and my girls will roll up. You know you want to check us out. Beats in the backseat blow up. Turn the whole seat. Still talking shit about Monday. The weekend is over now. Not meeting no one halfway. Amateurs get the hell. I don't see no ashtray. So I'm gonna use the ground. Ladies, let's call for hairspray. Back door is open. You all know the party's jumping. Everything is going for free. Gonna grab a piece of something. Take it home. I need a tall boy. Where's my tall boy? Falling in love now This is nothing but pure lust Wanna use you up and get out Like the kids I cut my puppy eyes heartbroken I'm not trying to be mean Queen of the party spoken Jump on the floor with me Yeah, the DJ is killing my groove 
just got the text you sent me Time to make up Making the crew back to my house Spread it through the VIP All the pretty people line up the couch Till we get brought I need a tall boy Where's my tall boy? Stop, drop, and roll. I need a tall boy. So crack it open with me, don't be shaking. Come on, let out the steam. Where's my tall boy? Satisfy my needs, feel like drinking. So come on, get inside. I need a tall boy. So crack it open with me, don't be shaking. Come on, let out the steam. Where's my tall boy? Satisfy my needs, feel like drinking. Come on, get inside me. Oh, yeah. We talk about food, we talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.